Hi, my name is Gunnar Froh and I'm your host on the Wonder Mobility Podcast. Welcome back to the Wonder Mobility Podcast. Today I'm here with Raymond Powells of GoSharing. Raymond, welcome. Yeah, good morning. Thank you. I'm super happy that you are here today because I think everybody in new mobility needs to know you and know about your company. You've had a very fast rise in the last few years. Can you talk a little bit about where you came from, what you've done over these last two and a half years and where you are now? Yeah, for sure. So happy to share. I hope to give a little insights in the go-sharing journey in the upcoming uh, half an hour. So myself, Raymond Powells, worked for a German manufacturer before, Emco Electric Scooters. I had the opportunity there to see a lot of operators starting in the sharing business while it was still uh, early stage. There, we had the opportunity to, to start ourselves. So together with Donny van der Oever and Duke Boersma, we started go-sharing in the Netherlands with the idea, of course, to do it fully different. We can elaborate uh, more on that later uh -huh. on. Started in Eindhoven as the first city with 168 scooters. And after two days, we said it's a success. Let's order more. And uh, that's where the journey started. That's very humble introduction, let's say, because <laughs> what you did since then, uh, you now have, I think, about 10,000 e-scooters, e-mopeds, three and a half thousand e-bikes or so, roughly speaking, also the first electric cars. And last year, you raised 50 million funding to expand the fleet more, right? So you've really... You, you, you said 168, you noticed on the second day, I think it's a success, you should get more, but two and a half years later, you have one of the largest sharing fleets in Europe, actually. What do you think you did differently? Why did you take off so quickly? Yeah, so we had, uh, I think, a different focus uh, as well. So we really wanted to focus as well on the B cities, as we call it, so smaller cities where there are not a lot of operators and where you, for example, cannot order an Uber, You don't have the perfect public transport, so people are more willing to go and search for, for shared mobility. And we really just focused on the business. So we didn't do anything strange. We didn't do, let's say, any marketing. We really focused on the business, making sure we had the best operations, making sure we had the best density. And in that sense, also the easiest service for the consumer to use on a daily basis. And I think with the super growth we have made in the past two and a half years, with Indeed now active in six countries, over 50 cities, and having totally 15,000 vehicles. Yeah, I think it's also being appreciated by the clients. I wonder what your view on this product that you're providing is. And I have a hunch basically a little bit because we met last summer in Amsterdam and I visited you in your office. And then like what I thought afterwards, what my impression was, it reminded me of some work I did some years ago at DHL because you were very like basically sober in a way about the product that you provide. You said something like, well, okay, it's an from A to B and at the best possible cost. And I'm looking at some cents here, some cents there, and people don't want necessarily maybe a brand. They want the easiest way and the cheap way to get from A to B. That's what I remember also from these interactions. But how would you define like the service that you provide? How do you look at this product that you give? Yeah, I think uh, it's good to hear that, that that's also seen by you when you were here in, in Utrecht. I, th I really think it's important to make shared mobility accessible for everyone. So it, it shouldn't be expensive. It should be a service that you can, can use on a daily basis. 
And therefore, we started with mopeds because we've seen with mopeds, you can have a really good lifetime of the product. So you can really offer it on a sustainable way with a long lifetime on the vehicles and fully electric. But what we have seen is that a moped isn't always the best way to go around. And in that sense, we wanted to, to offer more in making sure we could make it easier for our customers to use the service. And in that sense, maybe uh, the moped is not always the best. So we want to offer more transport options. And for example, now we're expanding quickly with e-bikes, where I have a strong belief that e-bikes is going to be the biggest player in the near future because it's a healthy way around for people to use. It's uh, easy to use. It's uh, the cheapest way around. And in that sense, I think also the biggest competitor and also the winner from the kick scooters. So you, you put the emphasis on easy and then for everyone. So like affordability, basically like a public transport perspective. And how do you, you mentioned in the very beginning when you went to like tier two cities, you try to provide the right density also. How do you make your product more accessible or easier to use than maybe some alternatives that people have? Yeah, so for example, in every country we are active, we want to be active in every city where there is a station. So that's a lot of cities. <laughs> But that's the only way that you can also make sure that you're the first one to uh, first app to open. Because if in every city you're active, uh, why should you take a different app? You can always use ours. So we want to operate everywhere and not only in the city center. Of course, the biggest density is in the city center, but there you have all the options available. So we really want to make a difference in operating in a full region. So not only in the city, but also the smaller municipalities around in making sure we can really get people out of their own cars and make an adjustment there to really make a difference. So not only using a moped for one or two miles, no, using it for every trip you, you need. And when you think about your users and you want to kind of catch them everywhere, not just in the city center, what role does multimodality play in that? You already, okay, you went a step to bikes, but it's pretty close from my point of view to a moped in terms of the user experience. And the real problem is with the winter and the bad weather and the requirements when you have stuff to carry. And you did a small step into cars already. What's your view on this? let's say, need to go multimodal and eventually offer much more also four-wheelers and a, a multimodal fleet? Yeah, I think a good question because there a lot of players are talking about multimodality, but it's kind of vague what they would like to, to get out of it. I think it, it's, it's pretty clear. So the shortest distance you want to do with an e-bike. It's the healthiest way around the city and it's also the one that takes less space to be parked. So e-bikes for the smaller distance, let's say, until two kilometers. Outside that, to make sure you don't need the car in your own region, you will need mopeds. So what you also see in our app is you have a small area for the e-bikes, a much larger region for the mopeds. And where I'm convinced is, is that car sharing, for example, in the Netherlands, there's a city within every 30 minutes. So you don't need car sharing in a city because you have bikes, mopeds, you have way better density with the light electric vehicles, but you do need a shared car to go from Amsterdam to Rotterdam or to Eindhoven. And there I think that the car sharing will make a big difference. So we partnered up with BMW and also with QPark in uh, offer uh, shared electric cars on a station based. So you can say, okay, I'm in Eindhoven, I need to go to Rotterdam and you can choose, do I want to use e-bike or a moped? 
a public transport or an electric car, but you can make sure you make your whole transport either by shared mobility or public transport. And this is a big difference uh, by only offering a moped or only a kick scooter, where I think the density and also the possibilities for the customers will make the biggest difference that you have all of them. So you're going for the urban solution for micromobility. Totally seems like totally the focus. And then for the city to city trips, you're beginning to offer cars, but through a station-based model because maybe the inventory there will not be so huge to really make sense in a free-floating way, but make that station-based. How important do you think this city-to-city -city will be for you in the future versus the urban mobility? Is that another thing that we also need to have the users always go through the same app and not leave? Or it's also really important for the revenue contribution and margin contribution? Yeah, so the, the biggest demand, of course, is in the cities. Yeah, so the most usage will be done in the cities. But as everyone is saying, I keep my car because what if I need to go to a different city? And what I, if, if I have to, to leave the city? I don't do it on a daily basis. But what if? And so therefore, you really need to make sure that you can guarantee an electric car whenever necessary. That's why we do station-based, including the charging facilities, in making 100% sure that if you need an electric car, There is always one available because shared mobility in the city center, you just walk towards one. If there's any, any vehicle within three minutes, it's fine. For an electric car, it's a little bit different. And I think also the corporate fleets will, will change completely in the upcoming years. Mm -hmm. There will be less corporate fleets. The fleets will be smaller. And there, I think the, the offer we can make with our shared mobility that we have available for everyone but could also be used as a corporate fleet, will be much more interesting in the upcoming 12 to 18 months where there will be a, a really big change. Mm -hmm. So you also see that as an area to grow for, for you, for your company to go to basically replace, begin to replace corporate fleets with a, a more flexible solution that, how would that, what would that look like exactly? Do you, do you envision more being the, operator behind these cars who's provisioning them to the companies or actually the companies replacing what they offer to their employee with a budget on, on go sharing, for example? Yeah, so we're already doing this for many companies where uh, the company give employees a mobility budget. And with mm -hmm. that budget, they, they can use mobility, whether it's a car, whether it's a moped. But it's really nice with our software, we can say, okay, you want dedicated vehicles only for your employees that you can share internally. And you can also use the shared mobility that we already have available on the streets. And therefore, you really get paper use and not just having a fleet of 100 vehicles on 100 employees. And the difference is really that we can uh, spare around 50% of the fleet with our sharing solution. Mm -hmm. So your value proposition to the company is you actually save cost, but at the same time, you offer basically a higher service level, a better service to your employees because they are more flexible in what they use. So more availability in every city, not, mm -hmm. not only in the city that they have the, maybe the HQ or their office, less cost, less space, and also we provide them with a certificate every month how many CO2 they spared. Because by the end of this year, the biggest companies also need to show what their pollution is of their uh, corporate fleets. And there we can also help with how many CO2 they spared. And an interesting point on that is that we're so convinced that we can help them 
that starting this year, we will plant a tree for every 10th rental is being made on our service. <laughs> and those trees we're planting, we're also giving them the CO2 reduction. So for companies, it's really interesting to start and share now. Cool. And you are, you've already expanded into other countries. You mentioned this in the beginning. Other European countries, how do you look at sort of differences in shared mobility between these regions? Like, is it obvious for you where the hotspots are, where you want to be first and where things will have to look differently if you go there? You would have to somehow adapt your model or what do you see as regional differences between the areas that you're going to right now? Yeah, there are a lot of differences. So not only per country, but really per city. So for sure, the Netherlands is a strange market. We don't have kick scooters. We can drive mopeds without helmets. Uh, there are different regulations. So th that that's a different market. The system and, and also the needs are different per city. For example, the Southern Europe, nice weather. You have a different climate, also different acceptance of, of shared mobility and also two-wheelers. And also the infrastructure is, is totally different. So for every city, we, we need to adapt. That, that's most of the time more difficult because we really want to scale and you need to have a different plan for every city. But I mean, we're not afraid to change and to diversify our, our system. I mean, we started in Istanbul last year, to give mm -hmm. an example. Istanbul is not your normal city as we know it uh, as Utrecht or Rotterdam, but mm -hmm. I mean, 60 million people living in one city, that's a huge challenge. But that's really what we want to achieve is to make shared, uh, shared mobility available for everyone. And then, for example, in Istanbul, you will need 20 to 25,000 vehicles. How do you operationalize that? Because you want somehow the local solution and the local knowledge, but you also need the economies of scale and maybe somebody like Bert, who's gone international yeah, very extensively, but then backtracked a little bit, they emphasize now a franchise model more, where they try to basically have local entrepreneurs using their technology and vehicles to compete locally. Do you have somewhat independent local teams? Are you also looking at maybe even franchise models in the future? Or how do you basically put this uh, local knowledge in place and not make everything too uh, one-size-fits-all. Yeah, so there are uh, some, some good uh, points that you mentioned. So for sure, we have really good local teams. Entrepreneurs maybe already had their own business that need to have the local knowledge and also making sure we understand where we're going to start. So for sure, the, the local team is key. If you don't have a good local team, you can better stop because it will never work. I do think that you need to have everything in-house, uh, sort of that if you do a franchise, everyone will try their own solution on the platform or on the operations. I do think that you need to have the skill and do it yourself, also to know where the costs are, where you can improve. And we do not want to have too many small solutions. We can try small, but we always have to scale big. So every solution needs to work on every city. So the solutions we're making, for example, in the operations, if we do it in the Netherlands, we also do it in Turkey because we need to have that skill. So we want to do it ourselves. We also do all operations ourselves, just in making sure we understand the product the best and we can serve the best service to our customers. So I think you really need to do it yourself. And there are three ways to do it. So you can either build yourself if you have the time. Mm -hmm. You can buy if you don't have the time. Yeah, for example, we, we bought a majority share in Italy mm -hmm. and you can also partner up. But 
if you partner, it's always difficult. I strongly believe, as we call it, you are in the boat or out the boat. And we really want people that are in the boat with us. And then we can really build together strongly in a, in a, in a country. You are doing this rollout very quickly. And it looks from the outside to some people like basically operators are all the same. You know, the app is always a little bit similar and the vehicles, okay, they have different brands, but by and large, it's, it's all the same. So it's like commoditized a little bit, but you are somehow accelerating uh, much faster than others. Do you have some sort of role model from the same or different industry that you are, as you like, that you are following in some ways? Yeah, so I think uh, uh, skill is, of course, important. So maybe one of our company rules to share, it is uh, what you don't spend, you don't have to earn. Because I think there are too much startups with too much money spending on a lot of stuff, which is not core to the business we're doing. So we don't spend anything. Just in making sure we also don't have to earn it. So we want to have the lowest cost and also being profitable sooner. So in our total group, which is bigger. Also, we have the long-term leasing part. We are profitable. Every year we existed. That's totally different than the normal market standards where you see that there is a really big cash burn. So if something is not working, we change it directly. We don't spend on marketing. That's, that's totally different than the marketing, market standards that you see nowadays. If you see like entrepreneurs that I personally really like, of course, you have some examples like I think Elon Musk Uh, maybe a little bit crazy, but he has some really good ideas and he has a strong belief in what he's building and putting everything in. I mean, if you really believe in it, then you also shoot everything to get it done. We said for Go Sharing, in two years from now, we're going to have 100,000 vehicles operational on the streets. So every decision we make needs to contribute to the 100,000 vehicles. We cannot make short-term decisions because that will not enable us to go bigger, to go over the 100,000 vehicles. And that's something, if, if you talk about a different company, Amazon, they said, if we want to do it the best, we need to do everything ourselves. So they bought the trains, they bought the planes, they bought the distribution centers. Mm. So I think in, in that sense, they were also quite different. They didn't choose any short-term solutions, but had a really good idea where they wanted to head to and made some bigger investments, some bigger decisions Whereof we also want to uh, to see a bigger picture and making really a difference with the operations we're doing in order to give the best service to the customers. You mentioned keeping your eye on a rather short-term clear target, so 100,000 vehicles in two years, but also the cost focus from the beginning. And that's not maybe entirely new that people would say, okay, of course, we, we try to be like very lean and so on as a startup. But you mentioned an interesting point that I'm sure most people have really don't realize it's unexpected from the outside. You have different parts to your business and you're already um, profitable in total. And you mentioned the long-term leasing business. So it sounded a bit like maybe the short-term rental that is kind of more in focus so far in our, in our conversation is an investment case still, but there are other parts of the business that are already profitable. And so the total, can you talk a little bit about that? How do these two work together? Why do you have them in one company? Is that like a long-term plan or does it just happen uh, like this because there was an opportunity? Why yeah, you have for sure. So, so GoSharing is fully focused on a, a, a pay-per-minute base. And pay-per-minute is interesting because most people can use it. It's convenient, but you need a lot of vehicles and a lot of people that are willing to pay for it. And you have no clue how the revenue will be in two years because people 
are they still willing to pay for it? Do you still have the permits? So it's it's a risky business mm. because there's not a lot of certainty. Therefore, we want to make co-sharing more also pay per monthly. So for example, business accounts or memberships in, in having more commitment from our consumers. And a part of that is a different uh, company that we also have in our Go Green holding, which is eBike to Go. That company, you can rent a bike on a monthly basis, which is then again fully different. But if you don't want to be fully flexible and you can commit to some terms, then you can get it way cheaper on a monthly basis. The same we're having in our group for a yearly lease, which is Grimo, and that's offering a leasing option for long-term leasing. So delivery companies, uh, of course, the 10-minute delivery companies that are popping up everywhere, they need also to have e-bikes and e-mopeds, but they can give a long-term commitment because they already know they need it for multiple years. So what I think is interesting is that we can offer per minute, per month, per year, with all different kind of payment options, but in the end, we use the same operations. So we do try to find the synergies in between those companies. That's what I would like to talk about that a bit and understand it better. The different parts of your companies, where do you have those different yeah, businesses or product lines, let's say, um, integrated? So when you um, look at vehicle sourcing and refinement of vehicles and interactions with the manufacturers, I assume that's basically one pool. It's one conversation. You have a larger number to talk about, basically, right? But can you go through the different other parts of the business that you're doing and where does it kind of branch out into maybe different teams and different front ends, but where is it still one and still integrated? So it's two, uh, two or three fully separated teams. So the teams are fully separated, okay. but we try to synergize the most. So for example, we have 2,000 square meters of research and development in the Netherlands where we improve the product where we give also our suppliers more info about their usage and what they need to improve. The local hubs we share, so the operations we try to share, we try to share the charging hubs because if we need to charge, they can also repair vehicles. So there are many parts we like to, to synergize, but there are also clear differences. For example, we are really a consumer product with a software with uh, marketing, eh, all the front-end work, mm -hmm. and where of the long-term leasing, it's it's more of a B2B offering where you have one client with a really big fleet. Does the longer-term product extend into the consumer market at the moment or it's purely B2B product right now? So the yearly leasing is just B2B. Uh -huh. If you look at the e-bike to go, that's offered to both. So we do see a lot of consumers taking it. For example, they had a car and, uh, uh, of their companies They leave it and they just get a budget and they take an e-bike for it. So e-bike to go is being used by B2C, B2B and go sharing mostly by B2C. But what we see is that we can offer it more and more in between. So to give you an example, there is a, a pizza uh, franchise. They, they, they sell pizzas and they, they normally have 10 vehicles for their shop. Mm -hmm. Only 70% of their fleet is being used five days a week. Mm -hmm. The others are just being used two days a week. <laughs> And those fleet, they don't even need to lease because they can just use GoSharing. Mm -hmm. So when we offer both solutions, in the end, we can offer a better solution for consumers. Mm -hmm. There was this idea a while ago that we haven't really seen so much in reality yet that consumers, when it comes to basically buying these light electric vehicles, they no longer want to go into 
a store and, and all that and go through retail and make the commitment, but they basically try things out through sharing and then can use the same sharing app to have this come to their house, maybe then pay on a monthly basis or something. But basically the sharing operators become the distribution channels for light electric vehicles instead of going to a shop to buy an e-bike or to an e-moped or so. Are you already like using your the reach that you have on the sharing consumer app to basically push longer term contracts with consumers or uh, not yet? Basically, it's two separate channels or is it integrated in one channel? Well, not yet, but it's more and more the option. I mean, yeah. we now have uh, almost one and a half million uh, customers in our, our app that mm -hmm. are using it. Of course, we, we would like to use it like uh, to, to cross-sell and upsell. We already see that, for example, people really easily get into the system for an e-bike. Why shouldn't they use an e-mobit or later on maybe an electric car? It's the same consumer. Mm -hmm. But you can you can use it for multiple options uh, to 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 offer the best product, mm -hmm. and if that would mean that someone is using our product every day, and we could better offer them a monthly solution, for sure I would offer it. What's something if you think about the market in the last two years that happened that was surprising to you? Where yeah, you can try to anticipate some things, but this also you didn't expect. Was there something that? you experienced that you guys didn't see coming or that you also hadn't anticipated? Well, when we started, it was uh, uh, also when kick scooters were allowed in Germany. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, everyone expected kick scooters, but I didn't expect it to be that big from day one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that was, a, that was a, 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 e even more than we expected. And I think if, if you look at the, at the market, we have seen... Big differences in cities uh, when you look at municipalities in allowing vehicles. Uh, so some cities even subsidize if you start. Other cities don't even want you to start. Mm -hmm. And others are very open-minded, even want to invest in infrastructure solutions and really give it a place inside of the city center. And this change was really being made in a couple of months And I think that's really important that together with the other operators, we really try to work together with those municipalities in giving it a place inside of the city where we get some infrastructure solutions to really have a long-term solution for the cities. And this is really critical and it, it, it changed a lot in the last year. And what do you think will be the most maybe surprising change in the next one or two years? Is it like... All of what we have today only five times bigger because in relative terms, the vast majority of the traffic is still on owned vehicles and so on. Like 30,000 kick scooters in Berlin, but 1.2 million cars. So there's like the public debate, sometimes they're in the way, but also like 1.2 million cars or something. Is it just more of the same or what will, how will our space look differently also maybe in one or two years, you think? Yeah, I think a lot will happen. So for sure, the numbers will increase a lot. And the, the numbers will improve a lot. Also, the, the quality will improve further on and the companies will be more mature, mature. We can integrate more on the mass apps, which I think will also be a big difference. Where on now you see a lot of different apps. We already see the first signs that mass integration will be more and more done. So I do think that the density will be key. If we cannot offer a proper density in a city like Berlin or any other, people will not accept shared mobility as a real solution. So the density needs to be a lot higher. 
as you said, uh, around one, uh, 0.1% of all movements are now being done with shared mobility. That's, that's like nothing. Mm. So the question is, how can we get it to 10%? And then you really need to rebuild a city. And therefore, we need the municipalities and also the willingness of the users to change something around. And um, yeah, the, the, the biggest spot we have there is, of course, the parking spaces for cars, which is quite hard to change. That's very interesting. I was going to ask you, what, like, what's your biggest, basically, headache or so, what you're thinking about what could unlock a lot, and you offered the, the parking space. You think that's um, the key is basically back to your initial, how you designed the product was about being easy. So you think the key to making more people shift at scale is again about what's convenient, what's easy, and basically the driver of that is the parking spots. So maybe the The shift when people really go, or these products will really go more mainstream is when cities change how they use their space? Or what do you think yeah. is going to be the driver for, for a more wider adoption, basically? Yeah, and I think two main points, whereof one is, of course, the infrastructure. If we mm -hmm. don't give it any space in a, in a city, you will always have uh, complaints. Because if you have... For example, Berlin, 30,000 kick scooters, and you don't give them any infrastructure. Yeah, for sure there's no space because we didn't give it. So together with the other operators and, and, and also municipalities, we also need to give it a space whereof we do have a lot of parking spaces for cars. So that's, of course, the easiest one to do, but for cities, a lot difficult. But therefore, together, we need to see where are the biggest hotspots and there we need to find solutions and fit it into the infrastructure. That's one main topic that we need to change. And the other one is, is cost. It needs to be more affordable. Shared mobility still needs to get cheaper. And the, the fastest way to get that in is to uh, have less operations in making it work. So uh, inductive charging or swappable stations where you can swap the batteries yourself with a discount. I think that those options will be more and more important because shared mobility should never be more expensive than a public transport or than to take a cab. So the prices should go down a lot, I think even by half. But therefore, we really need to lower the operations in making a vehicle affordable. I wonder if, like in this equation, basically, to make it, profitable you talk a lot about bringing the costs down and i think that's something that you can control so and you're doing very well so it's cool to push this further but i also wonder about like the right ideas or business model innovation to make people pay more for it because you basically everybody in the space knows kind of the numbers how much people pay for their own cars the most widely sold car in germany for example is the golf of course some other countries as well for example golf And it's 650 euros a month, like all in with insurance and depreciation, everything. So, but who of a normal person is really willing to spend 600 euros a month on um, shared mobility and have like these emails come two, three, four times a day of here's five euros, here's two euros, here's eight euros. So like there is a willingness to spend for mobility that's significant, but we can't currently translate it into, okay, now spend the same amount on us basically. I wonder if that also needs to be solved. How do you think about that? Because people are already, I think, at today's prices getting a lot for it, but like the willingness to pay doesn't translate because somehow every trip is seen as a bad thing when you have the at the end of the trip the four euros to six euros popping up. 
Yeah, so I think also the platforms need to to change a little bit. Eh? Right now, we see every rental as a transaction. Whereof, if you see a client client using it on a daily basis, that's not really necessary. You just need to know how much is is that person going to use and make the best offer. So we launched, I think, three months ago, our B two B proposition, whereof all companies can make a business account. And they can allow their employees to use the service as much as they want with some rules. So they can say, for example, you can have a mobility budget of 100 euro a month. I guarantee that we will pay it. And in the end, the employee can just use it whenever they need it. So I think we need also to allow more and make it more convenient. And in the end, if people really are going to sell off their golf, which is indeed popular in the Netherlands as well, (laughs) then we also need to ensure that the vehicles are always available. And to have them always available, we also need more vehicles. So the platforms need to evolve further. So there will be more and more B2B platforms helping corporate fleets, making sure you can just uh, write in your your mobility budget a month and, and use all services for. And on the other side, we need to make sure that we have the density because we had... Companies asking us like, hey, we have 5,000 employees that want to use your service on a daily basis. We said, okay, yeah, we have 300 vehicles in the city. It's like, how can I offer anything normal if we don't even have the vehicles? So there's also need to be uh, changed on the municipality side to allow more shared vehicles if we can really show that we have the, the ask from the companies. You mentioned this before about the... Kind of also a surprising thing that happened how municipalities went very different ways. Some people encourage it, some people try to block it. And now this example again about if there is a big employer, it's not even sure if you are allowed to have enough vehicles in the city. Like roughly, how does that play out at the moment? Where do cities land? So if you are in 40 or so cities, are most of them putting a restriction on you? How many vehicles you can deploy? Is that the very common standard right now or... Are there any left where you are free to put as many as you, as the market requires, as you see fitting? Yeah, so there are cities where you can put as many as you want, but most of them have a cap, which is a maximum. So it, it's differently per city, but most of them, they, they have a tender, you get a permit, and then you have a certain amount of vehicles that you can allow on the cities. But if you have a tender with small amount of vehicles, of course, it's most interesting to put them all in the city center. So I think we also need to see how can we improve on the tenders and the permits and also allow people and companies to also put it in maybe areas where there are less rentals or maybe outside skirts where the the need for mobility is way higher, but maybe less people are living. So I also think a tender for just a thousand vehicles in the city are not the way to go. They should really be specific in where to put them, what solution do you need to offer, and where's the highest need to also have shared mobility. Maybe there's no public transport. Uh, maybe there there is a bad possibility to move around. I mean, there are many options why we should offer shared mobility, but until now, it's just like 500 uh, vehicles. Here you can ask a permit, and, and where you offer them, it's up to you. How much do you think these permits are also geared towards certain players? Like, Is there friction coming from this in terms of local players that some cities yeah, maybe outright prefer certain local providers or providers that do other things for them? Or do you think that it's fairly easy for you to move into the cities that you want to go into? 
Well, I strongly be- believe in permits because it's 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 taking shared mobility to a higher level. And you have a really good SLA together with the municipality, so it gives, in the end, a better service to the customer. So I strongly believe that we need to have more permits. Uh, we just need to make sure, together with the other operators, that we get the best terms to offer, that we can really also offer it 24-7, full region, everywhere where we want to offer it, and, and not being restricted that much. When go-sharing grows to 100,000 vehicles in two years, what will the rest of the industry look like around you? How many vehicles will the biggest player have? And who is uh, number one, two, three? It's a difficult, uh, difficult question. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, so I think there is enough space uh, for, for multiple players. And of course, there are really, really big kick scooter operators with way bigger numbers. If you look to moped operators, for example, we're already the biggest one right now in the world. And we're doubling our fleet this year. So for moped operators, I do think that they will grow, but I don't know if, if any one of them will grow as fast as we're doing. I think the biggest growth will be in e-bike uh, sharing, where a lot of kick scooter operators are now also uh, starting with. So in the players and the numbers, I don't know. We will see together. But I do think that it, it will not be, uh, let's say, just a takeaway game or like a software game that you have one software and you will be the only one because we're working together with municipalities and there will always be more players. But it will be like a top five, which is really big. And then you have a lot of smaller players trying to hang on. So that, mm. there will be a consolidation where I'm strongly convinced of. Mm-hmm. And it will, uh, it will go quite quickly, I think. And who do you think will have the upper hand in that? I mean, not in terms of like names, but like in terms of situations. So what are you focusing on? What do you think it will most take for for go-sharing to be like a top five to be in this? Is it about rolling out as many vehicles as quickly as possible or more about, I don't know, keeping the profitability so then eventually others will run into trouble when the enthusiasm of investors cools off? Or what, what do you think will be key to be in the top five in a few years? Yeah, for sure, scale, scale having the permits, but we also seen that a lot of companies scaled, but maybe a little bit too rapidly. Mm-hmm. And then seen also the operations, the cost, the, the burn ratio was too high. So of course, skill is important, but I th- do think that also uh, software will be a, a really important topic. Uh, you need to do more and more with the software and also to really understand the operations. So if you scale fast, making sure you understand where the costs are, that you have the best operation and in the end, then also the best service for the customers. And I think it's also depending on which cities you're operating. So if you're operating, I think it's also important to have a company or a countrywide spread of your mm-hmm. service, which even now there are not many that are fully spread in a country. Mostly it's it's one or two cities or the biggest cities. So there's still a lot to win. But there's going to be a consolidation there. Very fascinating. And yeah, very cool to talk to you about this. Uh, your company has come up super quickly and you seem to be on a great track. And it's more complex in a way than people might assume from the outside at first. But yeah, you really laid it out super interestingly how this plays together and where your focus is. Thanks a lot for coming on today and for sharing that with us. Thank you, Gunnar. Really great.